Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. I'm your host, Chad Ford, and my guest today is The Athletics' Tony Jones, frequent contributor to the NBA Big Board pod. Welcome back, Tony. Thanks for having me, and um, you know, I feel like I feel like I'm family now. So it's like you know, I can come in, I can walk into the house, go into the refrigerator, nobody says anything to me now. So it's like I don't feel like a guest anymore. I feel like I feel like I belong here now. So I appreciate that. You do. I I love having you on. Love talking hoops with you. And our, our goal today in the podcast is is going to talk about a few guys that, that haven't been getting as much hype, but that we like in the draft and are keeping an eye on uh, and guys that, that could be sleepers or risers uh, as we get later in the draft. But before I go there, um, we talked early in the season about sort of our guys for the number one pick and, you know, some of our favorite players at the top of the draft. Uh, it's been about a month since we've talked. Uh, Cade Cunningham still number one on your board, Tony. Yeah. He, he's still number one on my board. Um, you know, obviously the biggest riser um, will be Jalen Suggs. You know, obviously he's made probably the most inroads, the, the point guard out of Gonzaga. Um, but Kay Cunningham's still number one on my board. You just don't get six foot eight point guards with his kind of skill set. Um, you know, he's he's even more well-rounded than, than, than uh, LaMelo Ball is. And Lamelo Ball is pretty. Is, he's turned out to be pretty good. By the way, can I start taking my victory lap on Lamelo Ball yet, or you know, do I need to do I need to wait for the year? Do you do you want me- S- sample size, Tony? Sample size, but but let let's say a couple things about Lamelo Ball. Um, one, all of this BS about the ball stuff, and he's not a good kid, and you know things like that. I think that's all been obliterated. Um, you know, all the all the feedback from coaches, from his teammates in Charlotte, um, just from the work that he's put in. I, I think we can put that to rest, that that was that was BS. Um, you know, some of those rumors right before the draft that he was bombing his, you know, interviews and things like that. It's just it's really hard for me to believe now that, you know, we're seeing all this happening. And, and you know, too, uh, there's weaknesses to his game. But right now, in my opinion, He's one of the two, three, four best, most creative passers in in the NBA. Yeah, he's he's certainly. I mean, he's he's a ridiculously good passer. Um, you know, and that that's something that you know has always struck me. And and you know what I said on the pod uh, that I really liked him. I think is also coming to fruition is the fact that he's an excellent, excellent pick and roll player. And you know, and that's that was what led me to believe that he would have real success uh, in the spacing and the pace of the NBA. I think he's actually been better than what I thought. And you can see, I mean, he's really, you know, my worry was how is he going to mess with Terry Rozier and, 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 and Devontae Graham. And uh, to be honest, I mean, he's been really seamless there. He is. And, uh, I think if there's probably a surprise for me, uh, he was number one on both of our boards. Uh, so I think we both thought he had the best shot of being the best player in this draft. Uh, but the impact that he's had 
uh, early on, especially when they added Gordon Hayward, and you just sort of wondered, you know, how slow Charlotte was going to bring along. They they can't keep him off the floor. Uh, he's, right. he's already so valuable to that team. And if there was any surprise to tell me, you know, ten games into the season. Uh, on a team that is clearly kind of gunning for the playoffs and has has a veteran veteran roster uh, that you can't keep him off the floor, I would have th- that would have surprised me a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, kudos to Lamelo Ball, um, he's been great. Uh, I, I agree with you that Cade Cunningham seems in in talking to a lot of NBA teams, a lot of scouts, the guests that we've had on this podcast. Uh, you know, it's his to lose. Let's just right. put it that way. I mean, it, right. it, it's his to lose. He's the safest pick there. A lot of buzz. Obviously, you talked about Jalen Suggs. A lot of buzz about Evan Mobley. Um, he's really having a terrific season at USC as well. And though there is that sort of shine away from big men, I mean, the more you watch him play, or the, at least the more I watch him play, the more, man, this guy looks like he's the second coming of Chris Bosh, but as a better rim protector. Right. Well, that's the thing. Was. And he's further along than Chris Bosh was at the same age. The the thing that strikes me about Evan Mobley, I mean, I knew that, you know, I knew how fluid he was offensively. Um, you know, I knew how uh, versatile he had a chance to be offensively. What, what struck me is that he's been, he's legit been one of the best defenders in the country this year. Um, and you know, he's one of the, he's been one of these guys that, that, you know, he can wreck a defense, he can wreck an offense by himself defensively. And to do that at the college level is, is, is actually kind of hard to do. And, uh, his rim protection, his ability to, to step out on the floor and move his feet, uh, defensively and his rebounding, like his rebounding has been really terrific. I, I think he's had a terrific season, um, I worried a little bit about his motor because, you know, I, I saw him a lot in high school and I saw him get bored a lot in high school. Um, but his motor hasn't been an issue uh, at all. And I, I just, I, I definitely think he's a top three, top three pick right now. Yeah. And, and it, it, he seems to me though, though certainly it could be Suggs that if anybody ultimately is going to give Cunningham a run for number one, it's a team that gets the number one pick. Uh, and and has a need for a big, and it's really hard to pass on Mobley because right now he's putting up numbers and potential to be a legitimate number one pick. And I mean, that's the nice thing about this draft. I mean, we talk about Suggs, we talk about Cunningham, Mobley. These are all guys that are worthy of conversation for the number one pick in the draft. And I think we struggled a little bit with that last year, though I think you and I liked LaMelo and you you even more than me um, put him in tier one. I didn't put him in tier one. So, so you, you liked him even more than I did Um, this year. It's a, it's a lot more comfortable conversation. If, if I'm in the top three in this draft, I I feel like I'm walking away with a potential franchise player. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, and I think you're taught, I think that, you know, you, I, I think even more than the top three, I think if you're on the top four, because you got to throw Jalen Green in there. Um, well, that you know. that's interesting. I want to talk. I want to talk about that because again, it's very early in the G League. All we're talking about is some scrimmage video right now um, mm-hmm. that isn't widely circulated, but with NBA teams. But I've talked to general managers, scouts that have seen it. Fran Fischilla was on last week. Um, he had seen the tape as well. I, it again, it's super early. Sample size is extremely small. 
but the the feel that I get right now from teams is that they like Kaminga better than uh, uh, Jonathan Kaminga better than they like Jalen Green, and that if if mm-hmm. anybody between those two, it might be Kaminga, and maybe because he's a year younger, uh, maybe it's because they they've seen him less. Uh, I I wonder if Kaminga, if if it continues this way, whether Kaminga ends up going ahead of Jalen Green. Well, the the thing with Kaminga and. You know, like when I say Jalen Green fourth, I mean, you know, Kaminga's, you know, I had Kaminga fifth, you know, and honestly, Kaminga could jump. If if Kaminga's shooting comes around, then you could actually make um, you can actually make an argument. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but you can make an argument for him to go number one. You know, he's got a great basketball body. I think I think the the people that I talk to, they look at him um as a prototypical you know uh a prototypical uh nba wing um who can guard multiple positions who can switch positions uh he's already every bit of six eight six nine he's already every bit of 235 pounds i mean he's just a really 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 nice physical specimen and i think the the early success um of isaac okoro um, in Cleveland and, and Pat Williams in, in Chicago, I think that that's going to help Kaminga as we get closer and closer to the draft um, because, you know, you're just looking at a guy who's, who's going to be physically overwhelmed, who has a chance to be physically overwhelming for, his, for the position that he plays. Yeah, and, it, you know, this is, this is a tough comparison because I, I never really like players getting um, compared to MVP-type players because – they're so unique, but there's some teams that have told me like they see Kawhi, they see a lot of Kawhi Leonard. I knew uh, you were going to say that. Yeah, and you know Kawhi's such a such a weird player and such an unusual dude um, that you know finding another Kawhi Leonard to me seems like a stretch that we'll ever see a player like Kawhi Leonard again. But I think when we talk about tool set, um, physical attributes, uh, things like that, there's some there's some there's some comparison there. You see that at all? I mean, he he's going to have a long way to go skill-wise to get to Kawhi Leonard. Um, I I when I look when I look at him, I see I see a guy who, you know, if he really rounds out his skill set, I think that he can be a re- really good guy, in, a really good player in the league. I mean, he's the guy that you know he's he's the abominable sp- snowman. The abominable snowman in the NBA are six foot nine wings that can that can play both ways. Right. Like, you know, so um, anybody with that's the reason that's one of the reasons why Patrick Williams went all the way up to number four, despite not starting a game at Florida State. You know, he's you know, he's six, eight, two, thirty five. He can shoot the ball. He can handle the ball and he can defend through four or five positions. So if you can do that, you're you're going to, you know, absolutely have value. Uh, in the NBA, and you're absolutely going to have value uh, in, in the NBA draft process. So that's that's where that's where it goes for me with with John, Jonathan Kaminga, um, you know. And and I do understand why teams would you know are starting to to really like him. Um, I mean, he's just a physical specimen for 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 his for his age and, and for his uh, and for his position. So um, and. You know, in high school, when you know at the high school level, he he, you know, you're not going to have to ask him to defend. He, he's already a defender. That's what he, that's what he did in high school as well. So, you know, 
it's going to be interesting to see where he goes, um, you know, and, and how this goes as we get closer to, to the draft. But uh, I'm definitely high on him as well. Okay, so that's we kind of talked about five guys at the top. Uh, to me, there seems to be a, a bit of a gap after that. Is there anybody else that 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 you've seen that has really got you excited right now in in the lottery? Sort of after those five guys, uh, I, you know, Greg Brown's a guy I've been talking about at Texas, a guy whose whose skill set is behind his physical tools uh, right now and what he brings physically. Uh, to the table, but there's some good signs at Texas uh, that that skill set might be coming around a little bit, and he's really intriguing to me. Is there anybody on your radar screen right now after those sort of consensus top five guys um, that 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 you're really a fan of right now? I'm still a fan of Jalen Johnson. You know, we talk about okay. You know, I, I'm 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 on that I'm on that train. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that thing, and if it derails, it derails. But I'm gonna like. Six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, you know, Duke had him playing the one against Boston. Uh, was it Pittsburgh this earlier this week? Um, you know, I know that I know that the jump shot absolutely has to come around. He's absolutely got to start shooting it better. But you know, for 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 his size, uh, he absolutely has a unique skill set. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I know that he's been slowed a little bit by an injury. Um, but you know, I think that he's just, I think he's a guy that's going to really play well in the NBA. And I think that he's got a skill set. you know, again, six, eight, six, nine, you know, kind of one, two, three, um, you know, those, those, those are the guys that, you know, and he, he handles the ball really well, uh, really good passer. Uh, so he, he's a guy that I'm still like, okay, I still like Jalen Johnson. That's, that's my guy. Uh, I'm going to back off the dude, dude, when you can, when you compare him to Grant Hill, you got it. <laughs> you got to stick with it. Whether you compare him to Grant Hill, you got to stick with it. Listen, you know, um, one of, one of my best friends is, is a diehard Duke fan. And he listens to this podcast and he immediately, uh, he, he almost ended the friendship you know, after, <laughs> after the Grand Hill stuff. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to be a little bit more careful uh, with, with the Grand with the Grand Hill comparisons, but uh, he, he's still somebody that I really, really, really like. Tony, as a diehard Kansas fan, breaking up with a Duke friend might not be the worst thing to ever happen to you. So <laughs> we covered some of the top guys in the lottery, and, and I know we've been doing that a lot in the podcast. And so, you know, Tony and I started talking about, let's talk about some guys that we really haven't heavily focused on that we like. Uh, guys that, you know, might be late first round, maybe even creep up a little higher than that, or, you know, second round sort of bubble guys, but guys that we like in this draft that maybe haven't been get, getting a lot of attention. So when we come back, we're going to dive into some of our sleepers, uh, guys that we like, that we're interested in. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar tastes even better than the old ones. They're in 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, 
apple almond crisp. That's on top of all of the original flavors that you typically love, the coconut almond, the raspberry, the banana bread, one of my favorites, the mint brownie. Also love that orange bar and the coconut one as well, of course, being in Hawaii. And the great thing about these bars is that they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy. And for, for someone like me who exercises a lot and runs a lot and cares a lot about what he puts into his system, I love the fact that it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's got high protein, it's got high fiber, 19 grams of protein, uh, in fact, which is which is pretty awesome. And so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And we're back talking 2021 NBA draft sleepers. I'm with the Athletics' Tony Jones, who does an incredible job. Love having him on the show. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite guys uh, that we like that that aren't really projected as lottery guys, at least. And and most of these guys are really probably projected as you know bubble first rounder type players. Uh, but guys that we like. Before I do that, though, to- Tony, I want to talk. Um, about uh, a new podcast that we have, Locked on Bets. Uh, luckily, 2020 is over. It's time for a fresh start, a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get podcasts. Okay, Tony, if you're betting on one of these these guys that you know we haven't really focused a lot on so far we've you you gave me a few names i gave you a few names of the names that we talked about you're going to introduce them who's who's the guy that's a sleeper for you that you're highest on um the guy that's a sleeper for me so does david duke is he a sleeper i think he's one of- i think he's he- He's starting to slide away from that, right? He's 24 on my board. Uh, but but let's talk about David Duke because I, I out of Providence, the guard out of Providence, having a huge junior season. What do you like about Duke and, and where do you think he should sit in this draft? Well, I, you know, I love big point guards and he's six foot five. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's a four year guy. Um you know, so he's going to be a guy. Um, he's going to be a guy that I think is going to be able to be physically ready for the league. Uh, he's really strong. He's got big shoulders. Uh, he's really good off the dribble. Um, and he's crafty off the dribble because, you know, he's not the, the quickest guy off the dribble. Um, um, and he's a good shooter. And he's just a guy that, that you know, through, he's been in the Big East for four years. And, you know, he's, you know, and he's, he's been a franchise player in the biggest for, for, for three of those years, you know? So uh, I, I think, you know, I, I've seen projections start to, to, to really catch up to him. 
Um, but he's somebody that really hasn't been talked about um, that much before this year. And, and, and I think one of the reasons he's an older guy, uh, he's 22 this year, um, you know, but he's um, he, he's he's a guy that I think that's going to be able to, to step in and play right away. And and having a phenomenal season and – you know, when you look at the stat sheet on him, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. 19 points a game, almost six rebounds a game, almost five assists a game, shooting 45% from three uh, this season. I mean, those those are really, really great numbers. And now you're talking about a, a 6'5 uh, point guard as well. He's playing at Providence. Uh, I think he's a sleeper. I think he's a, you know, like a lot of these guys that we're going to be talking about today who aren't freshmen. You, it, not everybody pops as a one and done guy right away, and I think we have the tendency that NBA does. I think draft analysts like you and I do to start to write off guys or forget about guys a little bit uh, when they don't pop right away, and especially a guy like David Duke who wasn't like the highest ranked kid out of high school um, to begin with. And you know, this is a, an example of a player, and we're going to talk about several more like this who have just continued to improve. Uh, over the years as college basketball players and 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 I, and I think Duke absolutely looking at my board right now is probably a guy in the 20s uh, maybe he even moves up into the late teens depending on sort of who comes out and and how the rest of the season plays out with a freshman uh, but I think he's a really intriguing prospect yeah you know and that's the thing I mean you know what a lot of these guys um, you know, as you know, you know, the older you get, it's like more and more of a red scarlet, uh, scarlet letter. Um, you know, and, and, and David, you know, he, he was actually pretty highly rated out of high school. Um, I think, I think if my memory serves correct, he was a high, high four star prospect. Um, but like you said, he didn't pop right away. Um, but, you know, one of the things I like about, you know, where he's playing at a, you know, he's, he's playing at a, at a school where, you know, like I said, he's the franchise and B um, like, you don't play for Ed Cooley if you don't defend. Um, so you're not going to have to ask him to defend when he gets to, to the next level. Um, you know, I think that he's, you know, he's, he's going to be a mature, mature guy. I just think that, you know, some playoff team is going to be able to, to, to get him, and have him step right into to their rotation, and he's gonna be, and they're gonna be better for it. Okay, my guy that sort of fits that mold. Uh, he also was a uh, he's also a junior. He's also gonna be uh, twenty one, almost twenty two um, when he gets drafted. But is is just a guy that I I see having a long NBA career and sticking in the league is Jared Butler um, out of out of Baylor. Uh, plays both backcourt positions, um, has been just absolutely um, terrific this year when you think about everything from uh, his defense. Uh, he's averaging um, this this year five, five and a half assists a game. Um, he's shooting 46% from three um, and and uh, with a high, you know, with a high rate of, of threes made uh, per game. I mean, when you look at when you look at him on the court and everything that he does, he's one of the most complete guards to me in college basketball, and he helps you win basketball games. I mean, Baylor's got 
got three really, really, really good guards. That's why they're the number two team in the country. Uh, but to me, Baylor really pops as a guy that's going to end up going you know, in the 20s, and everybody in three or four years is going to be like, why didn't this guy go higher? Because I think he's going to be able to immediately come in and contribute. And that game that he had against my team, the Jayhawks, Kansas, uh, on yeah, the Yeah, 30. Well, that, that was his best game of the year. He, he dropped 30 on us, went seven, seven for nine from three. <laughs> yeah, uh, had eight assists. Uh, you know, um, if, if there's a knock on him, he can be turnover prone. Uh, and, you know, he does turn the ball over. Uh, more than than I'd like to see him turn the ball over. He had four turnovers in that Kansas game. Had seven against Texas Tech. Um, you know, that's that's a weakness. But he does so much on both ends of the court. Um, but he he blends in seamlessly with his team as well. Uh, this is a guy that I I just think as we get closer to the draft, uh, he's going to be a guy who is going to start to pop. As you know, look, maybe his ceiling isn't as high as some of these other guys. Uh, but I think he's got a really, really high floor. So he's one of the guys, Jazz fans, if you're listening to this, he's one of the guys that I think um, really, really, really fits in with the Jazz. And if um, and and he's one of the guys that I think the Jazz should be really looking at very, very closely. Um, he's just skilled, right, Chad? Like, you know, you look at him, you're like, okay, is he a one? Is he a two? But he's skilled. Like, he's he's terrific off the dribble. Um, he knows, like, he's got a three-level game. So, three-level game, that means, you know, he's he, he's great from the three-point line. He's got a great mid-range game, and he can score at the basket. Um, you know, he, he scores in different ways. He's a, he's a, he's a really, really terrific scorer. Uh, he's a good defender with a solid base, good body, very strong. Um, and he's just a terrific shooter, very, very good shooter. And, you know, and he's a shooter that can get his, can get his off the dribble. Um, you know, he, like you said, he is, a, he is turnover prone. You question whether he has, a, you know, the elite first step off the dribble. You know, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think that one of the reasons why he's a good fit for the Jazz is because he's just kind of a guard and and not really a defined point guard or a two guard. So I think that he can fit into that system where, you know, he doesn't have to, like, actually be the point guard. He could just kind of fit in and play. Um, and, and, and I just, you know, and like you said, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, five years we're going to look – we're going to look at this draft and, and we're going to look at Jared Butler and be like, uh, why wasn't he a lottery pick? You know, but you know he's an he's another guy who's who's an older who's an older prospect. I can't believe that I'm saying that a guy that's born in 1999 is old. Um, but you know he's another guy that's an older prospect. Um, you know, but he's 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 really good. I I agree with you completely. Um, he he's a really good player, and I think that he's he's a guy that I think uh, that. You know, a a a a a, a, a playoff team uh, is going to be uh, is going to improve by drafting. Yeah, that and that's that's where you start to see right when you get into the late teens, early twenties. Um, this is a guy who can come in and help you now, but it's not like he's he's lacking upside either, and that's what's you know so intriguing. He's not the only Baylor guard. 
that you like, right, Tony? Yes. He is not the only Baylor guard that I like. Let's talk a l- little bit about Davion Mitchell. He's also a junior. He's also an older prospect. Um, now, I think that he's somebody um, that that's a little bit more um, defined in terms of his position. I think he's more of a defined point guard, a uh, super athlete. And where's number 45? Kind of reminds me of a number 45 that plays for the Jazz a little bit. Uh, at the college level. Now, obviously, uh, Donovan Mitchell, his his improvement from, you know, junior year uh, or sophomore year at Louisville to right now has just been really significant and it's kind of hard to duplicate. Um, but, you know, he, Davion Mitchell has some of the same uh, attributes that Donovan Mitchell did at the same stage, you know, really athletic, very long arms, uh, six foot two, um, you know, good shooter, you know, kind of decent off the dribble, um, pretty good playmaker, really good athlete, really good defender. And that's the thing, really good defender. Um, you know, so he's another guy. And, you know, I think you plan, you know, playing for the for for Baylor. I think the Baylor kids that come into the league, they're all pretty tough, like they're tough kids. And, you know, and I think that he he's a tough kid. And uh, I think that uh, he's he's another guy. And I think that once, you know, we get to start and talk about the NCAA tournament and, you know, with the run I I expect Baylor to be able to make, I think that, you know, teams uh, are going to see a lot more of him. And he's you know, he's going to be a lot. um, uh, He's he's going to have a lot more um, exposure. Uh, on a bigger stage. One of the big jumps for him this year uh, has been his three-point shooting. Uh, historically, you know, his his freshman year at Auburn, he was a 28% three-point shooter. Uh, his next year at Baylor, 32%. 44% from three this year. He's got about, he's taking about four threes a game. Uh, his free throw shooting is starting to improve, which is which is a good sign. Like Butler, if there's a if there's another area of concern, it's those turnovers. He's averaging a little over three turnovers a game, and when he's more of a pure point guard, that assist to turnover ratio isn't isn't great. Yeah, and and that's what he's going to have to improve at. Um, I also think he's going to have to improve at his ability to score at the NBA level. If you're a point guard and you're that size, you're going to have to be able to, to figure out a way to score. Uh, especially in traffic, um, you know, and, and I think I think he's going to have to prove that the jump shot is real. You know, I think that this is the first year that the jump shots actually popped. Uh, he's been kind of inconsistent before this season. So, you know, he's going to have to improve at that. But I, I think that, you know, anybody who can defend on the perimeter and be as a, at the NBA level and be as athletic as Davion Mitchell is, um, I think that, you know, those guys are going to have a chance to, to, to stick in the league. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I think that the, the better that Mitchell plays uh, as the season goes on uh, and, you know, hopefully we have um, hopefully we have a, a normal NBA draft process where guys can get some in-person workouts. Um, and, you know, I think that he's a guy that's going to, uh, I don't, I don't want to say workout to be workout dependent, but I think that workouts are going to be important for him. Let's talk about one more guard uh, that 
in this case is a freshman, uh, but didn't get any playing time at the start of the season uh, because he was in trouble with the NCAA. They were working on his uh, eligibility. Sharif Cooper out of Auburn, who who now has played a grand total of four games uh, for Auburn, but wow. Um, is is really all I can say um, about him early on. Uh, he he in my mind just watching the watching college basketball season. He has he's the most creative, uh, maybe the the most elite passer that we have in college basketball right now. I mean the way he sees the floor, um, the way he reads the game, uh, his feel for the game is electric. He's also incredibly quick. He can get anywhere he wants on the floor. Uh, with the basketball. Um, he's put up huge numbers uh, for Auburn in the first four games. He's averaging 22 points a game, uh, eight uh, assists a game, uh, and you know uh, one and a half steals a game. He's lightning quick. Um, he, he just is such he, he's just such a game changer when he's in the game uh, for Auburn. I, I love him. and now now let me say a few things that I'm concerned about. He's six one. 180 pounds. He's not uh, six and, one, <laughs> and and he doesn't and he doesn't look six one, right? That's what he's listed at. Doesn't look it um, at all. He's shooting 13.6 percent uh, from three. This was a question for him in high school as well about his jump shot. Um, he's a streaky shooter, and especially when you think about small guards uh, at making the transition to the next level, shooting really becomes a really important part um, of of that transition. Uh, he is a guy who is often trying to do too much. He's averaging four and a half turnovers a game right now um, in those four games as well. But when you see, you know, this is one of the things always for me, Tony, does, does he have a skill that when you place them in the NBA, you could say that skill would place him among the like top four or five players in the league? on what he does and and his his feel for the game his creativity and passing all of that stuff he's got that potential in the nba it's whether his lack of size his lack of a jump shot will come around but to me he's in a really intriguing prospect if you're if you're starting to think outside the lottery now uh, about a player who um, if they polish the parts of the game that they need to um, could be special so I'm gonna make a comparison, but I'm gonna take away in this comparison. I'm gonna take away the, the three-point shooting because obviously there's, you know, there's a a, a mountainous gap in the three-point shooting between these two guys. But if you close your eyes, take away the three-point shooting, and just envision off the dribble, pick and roll, and the way they pass, it's a li- he's a little Trey Youngish, little bit. Um, but the difference is Trey Young went top three because Trey Young can also shoot the basketball. And Sharif Cooper hasn't, you know, the jump shot hasn't popped, like you said. Um, but he was a five-star for a reason. <laughs> and the reason is he's a point A to point B guy. And point A to point B guys are guys who can get anywhere they want off the dribble at any time they want off the dribble. And there's nothing that pretty much any defense can do to stop that guy from doing that. And that I cannot, I mean, you know, because you've been doing this for a long time, but for our listeners, it's hard to impress upon the listeners how rare a skill that is. There are not many point A to point B guys off the dribble. 
you know, so when you think about that at the NBA level, think like Kyrie Irving or, you know, James Harden or Kevin Durant, something, you know, the, the elite guys. So, you know, obviously he's got to develop the skill set around that, but off the dribble, he can get pretty much anywhere he wants, anytime he wants. The, and one of the things that I really like about Sharif uh, is um, that for his size, he's actually a pretty good defender. Um, and for his size, he gets to the foul line a lot. Um, you know, so those are two things that kind of bode well for him. Uh, so, you know, he's he's got to tone down the turnovers, um, but that that can come, you know, that, that comes with experience. So that can come with experience. Uh, he's, you know, I think that if he leaves uh, for the league right now, I think that he's going to have some developing to do. Um, but I actually think he should leave for the league right now because I think he'll get drafted. Uh, and he's not going to grow. And that's the thing, right? Because if Sharif Cooper was 6'3 or 6'4, uh, you know, we'd be talking about him as one of our top lottery prospects, uh, right. even with those weaknesses. It's really the size that I think is the most concerning. And and it it manifests itself in certain ways. Like he, he's really good at getting to the line, but it's also hard for him to completely finish over length. Um, his release on his jumper is a little bit low. Uh, which is also not going to bode a little bit of a slow release, which is a little not going to bode well for him given his size. So I mean, there's there's definite issues there, um, but for all of those things that you talk about, he's just a really intriguing prospect to watch. I think you're right. I think he should come out. I definitely think he'll be a first round pick, and you know we'll see uh, because there are some elite talents, as you say, that A to B talent, um, that creative passing, that feel for the game. You know, someone may take a take or, take a swing on him even higher than we're sort of thinking about him right now. Yeah, and you know, and I think you know, at the NBA level, it's a, it's all about being able to bend the defense at this point. And guys that can get into the lane as easily as Cooper does, I mean, that has value. I mean, he's like he, he, you know, especially if the defense translates from college to pros. Now, it's going to be hard to translate because of his size. Um, but if he can stay in front of guys, you know, keep guys from taking advantage of him, uh, a little bit too much, um, you know, because that's, that's the thing with Trey, Trey Young, Trey Young doesn't defend at all. And for, you know, Trey Young can go out there and get 28 and 10, but he's given up 28 on the other end. Um, you know, so I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think with Sharif Cooper, I think that, you know, he's a guy that if you're uh, a, you, you got to be able to have some some guys that can defend around him if he's on the floor. And you also have to be able to have some guys that can shoot around him to take advantage of what he gives you offensively and the, his ability to pass the ball and, and read the defense. Um, you know, so he's he's a little bit more tricky for me because he's not as much, um, you know, a plug and play, say a David Duke, because I think you can plug David Duke in into a variety of situations. But if you get Sharif Cooper in the right situation, then that can be an explosive get for for a team. All right, Tony. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about a few other sleepers uh, that we like uh, right now and guys that could crack that first round bubble. We're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network.
And we are back talking 2021 NBA draft sleepers. I'm with the Athletics, Tony Jones. Uh, we've talked about some of the guards uh, that we really like. Let's talk about a few guys uh, that aren't guards um, that have had really interesting seasons, guys that are higher on our radar screen right now. Let's talk about a guy who unfortunately tore his ACL. And uh, obviously that is a blow to his draft stock, but has some real talent as far as NBA talent goes. And that's Chris Smith out of UCLA. Yeah. Six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, very, very athletic plays both four positions uh, can get into the lane and attack the basket. Um, you know, can defend multiple positions. Um, you know, he, he was a guy that, you know, his first two years, he wasn't great. Um, but, you know, he played, you know, he was played really, really well this year before, uh, before he unfortunately tore his ACL and he had a good, he had a good junior season. Um, you know, his, his physical profile alone is going to get him drafted. Um, but I think that he's improved his skill set um, to the point where, where I think that uh, he had a real, real chance to go into the, go into 20. So, um, I, you know, it's just really unfortunate that he tore his ACL and that, and that he's out for the season. And he's probably going to be out for, um, he's probably going to be out for, for the bulk, for the length of the draft process. Um, but, you know, I think that, that somebody might be able to get a steal uh, with him because, you know, I think that he's, he's the kind of real, he's the kind of real athlete uh, that, that, you know, I, I, I just think that um, can help teams at the NBA level on both ends of the floor. Uh, he kind of reminds me of a guy that used to play for the Indiana Pacers way back in the day before all of you guys were even born uh, grainy black and white. Now let me stop. Um, he kind of reminds me of a, a little bit more. Of, he he kind of reminds me of Derek McKee a little bit. Um, six foot nine, very athletic, very, very, very skilled, very, very, very talented, um, but just kind of blends in the games. And you don't know that he blends in the games. And then you look at the box score. He's got 15, eight and six rebounds and, you know, three steals and two block shots. Um, and then you're like, whoa. Why isn't he doing more? This guy should be your top ten pick, and he this guy should be an all star. But that was Derek. Derek that was Derek McKee, and Chris Smith has some of the, some of that in him as well. I see that as well, and and you know this is really an interesting thing when you know there's a tendency both among you know people in the media that cover this as well as NBA guys that when an injury comes, like they immediately just start free falling um, down the board. But especially in our modern NBA with an ACL. Uh, you know, how much of a concern is that really? I mean, if you had him on your board, let's say at 20, before the ACL injury, does does that really matter anymore, Tony, uh, you know, for NBA teams? I mean, a- assuming that, you know, he's going to be back at, at some point, probably maybe even back by uh, the, the start of next season, is – is that enough to drop him 10, 20, 30 points on the board? Because it, you see teams, I think, make this mistake um, a lot. And, and now sometimes it's for good reason. Sometimes when they get the medicals, there's other concerns there and there's concerns about their long-term health profile. But I don't think we know any of that about Chris Smith or whether that there's any concerns that way. Does it, does it move him down your board that he tore his ACL? 
Not for me, because like you said, I mean, it, you know, it, ACL injury is not what it would be 30 years ago or even 20 years ago or even maybe 15 years ago. Um, you know, I fully expect Chris Smith to fully regain his range of motion, fully regain his athleticism. I mean, let, let's look at it this way. We've all seen John Wall and Kevin Durant um, this season. And those guys are coming off of Achilles tears. And both of those guys look every bit as athletic and explosive uh, as, as they, have, they did before the injury. And, um, you know, 30 years ago, 1990, if you tore your Achilles, your, your career was essentially over. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I think that if you're Chris Smith, if you're Chris Smith, you rehab, if you need an extra year, if you need a red shirt year to rehab, uh, you take the red shirt year. Um, you know, you take the red shirt year and then, you know, you come back and, and you're pretty much the, the same, the same as you ever were. So, you know, to, to, to your point, that doesn't affect his draft stock for me um, because I think that even in the 20s, I mean, the profile of teams are in the 20s or teams that, you know, have the ability to wait for you anyway. Um, you know, so I, I think that a team would do well just drafting him, getting into getting him into their building uh, and, and, you know, just, you know, if there's more rehab to be done, uh, get that rehab done. And then, you know, start developing him, you know, for when he's when he's ready to be on the floor. Let's talk about another big guy, uh, this one out of Villanova. And Villanova has, has really had a pretty good track record uh, lately of translating uh, guys into, into real NBA prospects. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Love him. Why, why do you love him? That's the question. Why do you love him? Why do, why do most teams almost consistently talk about him as a very late first rounder to like early second rounder. You love him. What, what are they missing? Um, I love the pick and pop component of his game that he's developed. And I, I love Villanova kids regardless. If you're a Villanova kid and you're an NBA ready guy, then I love you. I mean, Sadiq Bay, um, you know, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, um, Mikael Bridge, you know, so many guys, Josh Hart, you know, those guys just, they come out of, they come out of Nova and they know how to play and they're ready-made high level role players right off the bat. Um, they, you know, Mikael Bridges is actually um, flashing some star potential, but you know, most of them, they don't become stars. They're just solid 10 year, 10 year to 12 year pros just right off the bat. And I look at Jeremiah Robinson Earl and I, and I think the same, I think the same way. Like he, you know, he's, he's going to be able to extend his range out to three. Um, you know, he's not as athletic as his father was, um, but he's a lot more skilled than his father was. Um, and, you know, and, and, and he's just gotten better. He's just gotten better and better and better as a basketball player uh, as his career has gone, gone by. Well, he's a Kansas City kid, uh, and so that that alone uh, gives him uh, some props in my book. And and like a lot of the guys that end up profiled going to Villanova, high basketball IQ, the skill, the versatility. Uh, I think again, like a lot of 
Villanova guys. He, he's really excellent moving the ball. Uh, and, you know, my questions with him are on the defensive end. Who does he defend necessarily uh, in the in the NBA? His his college defensive numbers, especially when you look at the advanced stats, are, are not good. Uh, and, you know, you see the potential as a as a shooter, but he's shooting thirty percent from three um, right now, and is just a seventy percent free throw shooter. Any of that really concern you, Tony? Um, no, because I think his form is really good. Um, well, the free throw shooting's got to be better, um, but you know, I, I think that he's I think he's got real upside as a shooter. Um, you know, and I think that that he's. I think that he's done well coming back and and being uh, one of the two best players on that team. Um, you know, so I, I think I think that he's he's a guy that 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 that's shown upside in a number of different uh, aspects of the game. Uh, I do agree with you with the defensive uh, with with defensive dis- concerns. You know, who where does he defend? Can he defend fours or fives at the NBA level? Um, I'm reasonably optimistic that he can actually defend on the perimeter. Um, but I, I, I think that he's another guy that's, that's just, you know, you come out of Villanova and, and he's going to be, you know, a high-level role player for years to come. All right. He's Tony Jones of The Athletic talking about some of our favorite prospects sleeper prospects uh, in the 2021 NBA draft. Tony, it's been a pleasure to, to have you on the show again. We'll have you back soon. Uh, we'll keep break, breaking down this draft. Uh, as always, great job. Thank you so much for having me. And like I said, feel like I can go right into the kitchen and just open the refrigerator. All right. You can just record one of these podcasts on your own. Invite me on next time as well. So we'll do that. We'll do that sometime. We'll switch roles soon on this one. Uh, You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.